uh, warning, the disclaimer. I think I'm looking, well, looking at present with us. I must say, today's message contains a amount of room. Judge that. But we are moving systematically through the book of Leviticus. And here, do not believe in skipping the parts that are awkward or difficult in God's word. We preach all of it. So uh, try to be sensitive in our, in our treatment, and I'm going to actually, rather than uh, draw this portion out into multiple messages, could be by volume, um, we're going to have a little bit more of a survey look of this passage here, because much of it does have to do very much with the law code for Israel. It doesn't all apply directly, but there are things that we can glean from understanding of and we will reflect on New Testament interpretation as we proceed. So be prepared. I'm in Leviticus chapter 12, and we're actually going all the way. I'm doing a lot of reading this morning, okay? So be prepared to follow along. Buckle your seatbelts. Keep yourselves awake. And it's a lot of text. We're covering Leviticus chapter 12 through chapter 15. Now, the last passage, chapter 11, was really the beginning of this whole portion. It's actually... Chapters 11 through 15 deal with issue of uncleanness for the people. And we looked at the dietary laws, that which was uh, clean versus unclean within the dietary laws for Israel. We looked at what, what that were, and now we're going to look at the rest of that topic of uncleanness, purification out for the And so we are dealing with some uh, issues relating to childbirth, leprosy, all right, well, so we begin here in Leviticus chapter 12. This is actually a brief chapter. This deals with childbirth. And, and I must say that this is a tricky one. I mean, many scholars uh, have wrestled with this, what is this trying to say? People have tried to use it as an opportunity to uh, make accusations about an event. Let's just read this passage. This is actually the short chapter is only long. So let's just read through and then I will. So Leviticus chapter 12, beginning of verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days as at the time of her menstruation, she clean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of purifying. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her menstruation, and she shall continue in the blood of her purifying for 66 days. And when the days of your purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, you shall bring to the priest and of meat, lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, I shall clean them. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering. The priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall 
all right, so what is this? One thing, be clear to begin with, as I said already, this is law code for Israel and does not carry over in its entirety Testament believers. There were things that were significant then because God was distinguishing Israel as a unique nation amongst the nations. This is the nation with which he established his very special covenant relationship where he said, I will be your God, you will be my people. And he gave them this law code not to be overbearing, not to be demanding or cruel. In fact, through the law code, as we have observed, that God is actually the most gracious of all gods. Other gods that the peoples of the nations worshipped were actually in their imaginations, as they, as they described, as they constructed their god ideas. They were actually um, always taking, always punishing, always requiring more. There was no love for the people. There was only demand. And we see throughout the code God gave through Moses to the people of Israel, a God who cares about their well-being, who wants relationship with them, who is considerate of the poor, who is considerate of those who are more weak and more vulnerable. He is a loving and gracious and good God, and his code was for their, for their well-being and not to satisfy own appetite. And so we see that. We need to bring that, that vision, that context here. Also remembering at their time in history, God knew this, God understood this. Their understanding of many medical things were not what they are today. God knew what we would learn in time, but that they did not know that. And so some of the code is going beyond what we would say is necessary today when it comes to purification, blood issues, but that's because they didn't have the same hygiene that we have today. They didn't have the same medical care, the same thorough knowledge of the body and that's what we have. So God was protecting their legitimate ignorance. So uh, those are things to understand for the context. Another thing is to note that uncleanness context is not always uh, an indictment of sin or guilt. Look at that and we go, all done. That's horrible. Well, it was just a very practical thing. Uncleanness was simply indicating that, that uh, in some cases it represented a minor, hygienic, a minor hygienic concern that must be addressed properly for the well-being of the individual and or the community. And there are levels, there were degrees of uncleanness. There were implications for different types of uncleanness. In other cases, it represented a more serious health issue with potentially devastating effects on the community, as with leprosy. In all cases, it represented a condition that renders a person unfit to enter the place of God's holy presence, tabernacle, sanctuary. Because God is making a point. Therefore, all the offerings that are prescribed here and that are usually labeled uh, a sin offering would really be more appropriately labeled purification offerings. They're, they're an atonement for sake of purification. Now, symbolic, yes, the offerings themselves. There's nothing in the offering of the offering that fixed the person's body, but it was rather representative of that the things have been dealt with physically, and this person is restored, fellowship, 
So being declared unclean was not always a condemnation. It was often preservation of health and hygiene and an elevation of the people's understanding of God's holiness and for absolution. So this, as we come to the portion with the birth of the male and the birth of the female, cause some consternation. As one week of her initial intense uncleanness status, the mother, after giving birth to a, a male, but two weeks for a female. She has an additional 33 days to complete her time of purification after the birth of the male, after he's taken care of, but 66 days for birth of the female. What's up with that? And some people have looked at that. See, the Bible is misogynistic. It's oppressive to women and, and so on and so forth. Well, let me point out that there is absolutely nothing in the commentary as in values the females. It doesn't say because females aren't as good as males. It doesn't say that. It's just a matter of fact that this is what they're to follow. There must be reasons for it. Unfortunately, we don't have them in the text. But, as people have studied, looked into it, there are a couple of things. There's a, a medical doctor who has written on this, in particular, uh, G.I. Or matched, I don't know how to say his name. Medical doctor who wrote about this said that there is a significantly longer time of discharge for mother after giving a child. Let us know, but it's apparently something that nurse midwives are right away in early training. They're aware of that. There's another thing. Christ would exactly move. But there's also um, sometimes. Vaginal bleeding, in the case of a male child herself. So, suggestion that this extra time is just really kind of a consideration for the further complications often present male judgment. Furthermore, consider that. Mother being called unclean, as I already said, is not a judgment. Out of favor with God for that whole time means that she's not supposed to come into the tabernacle, touch the consecrated things, and so on. And it's a matter of God's concern to be careful about blood-borne pathogens. They didn't know that expression, that concept yet at the time, but God knew about the potential blood. So he's protecting his people. And as we see in other passages, and some of it even further to the the mother was protected in a sense throughout this time. All the time that she was undergoing her time of purification, no other demands were to be made on her. Not expected to come. Not expected to have normal relations with her husband. So in a way, God is actually protecting other to an extra, to a greater degree. So those are the things helpful for us to, to keep in mind. But again, it's law for Israel and not law for us today. But I want to point out this couple other passages as well, just to kind of put the nails in the coffin, I guess, the argument that 
Bible somehow devalues women. That's a much greater topic than we can address entirely today. But I would just point out, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, the summary of God's creation in the beginning, he says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Notice that male and female are very distinctly clarified in this passage as both being made in the image of God. So spiritual values, spiritual worth, spiritual status for God is the same between male from the very beginning creation. Furthermore, there is no judgment here the fact that she that this woman has had relations and has now had a child and that somehow that makes her, you know, spiritually, you know, in a bad situation or anything like that. You can see here that sex and childbirth is blessed by God and instructs them. Good thing. Galatians 3:28 also, so we come to the New Testament which is affirmation once again. Paul is saying there's neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you all are one in Christ. He's talking about a person's spiritual status. Now, the same author, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, talks about distinct roles between male in the marriage relationship, within the church context, and so on. So there's, there may be different roles ordained by God. But personal worth, personal value, how much God loves and appreciates and regards and in male and female, clearly affirmed throughout Scripture. Put away any notion that there's something misogynistic or prejudicial women in the Bible. Also, we're going to look at uncleanness due to leprosy. Now, this is long, okay? Much as chapter 12 was very brief, the leprosy issue covers a very long chapter 13 and a very long chapter 14. And so, here we go. And it's not entirely pleasant, by the way. It's graphic. But we need to at least read through it. I'm just, I have only a couple comments. Uh, first of all, uh, let me point out that the, the uh, Bible scholars who have looked in the history of it all and the use of the terminology, uh, this word leprosy or leprous infection uh, actually referred to not just the modern form of, of leprosy that we know today. It actually covered a range of at least 10 different major skin infection type of disease. Just help you a little bit with the context. All right, so... Chapter 13, here we go. I'll try to be as interesting as I can. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of the body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of the body and the hair. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of the body. It is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. 
But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. It's not important. Shall um, set them apart for seven days, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded, the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption. Temporary. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. Remember, here is very often reference ceremonial cleaning. Most of the cases, declared clean, ceremonially. So you can move amongst the people freely. You can enter the tabernacle. But if the eruption spreads in the skin, verse 7, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest, and the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is when a man is afflict, afflicted with a leprosy, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprosy body, I'll pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. In other words, this is a more clear case. Now there's raw flesh. Back to his So this is kind of like obvious. Quarantining. Well, that the leprous disease breaks out on his skin. The leprous disease covers all the skin. But so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease that is all turned white, and he is clean. In other words, leprosy on all over the body, but now it's all gone clean. Now it's white flesh from head to toe after thorough inspection. Then he's okay. But, but when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean. But if the raw flesh recovers and turns white again, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. Okay, fresh news. Right. Um, again, so, you know. Or it means clear. Verse 18. If there is in the skin of one's body a boil and it heals, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a reddish white spot, then it shall be shown to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if it appears deeper than the skin and his hair is turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease that has broken out on the boil. But if the priest examines it and there is no white hair in it, it is not deeper than skin has faded, then the priest shall shut him up seven days. If it spreads in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a disease. But if a spot remains in one place, it does not spread. It is a scar of the boil. The priest shall pronounce him clean. Fourth, when the body is very thorough, right, covering all scenarios, trying to be fair and careful. Verse 24, or when the body has a burn on its skin and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot reddish white or white, the priest shall examine it. If the hair in the spot is turned white, 
and it appears deeper than the skin than it is a leprous wound that is broken out in the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. This is the case of leprosy. But if the priest examines it, no white hair on the spot, no deeper than the skin, it has faded. The priest shall shut him up seven days, and the priest shall examine him the seventh day. If it is spreading in the skin, the priest shall pronounce, pronounce him unclean. This is the case of leprous disease. But if the spot remains in one place, does not spread in the skin, has faded, just a swelling from the burn. The priest shall pronounce him clean, or it is burned. When a man or a woman has disease on the head or the beard, the priest shall examine the disease, and if it appears deeper than the skin, the hair in it is yellow and thin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an itch. I like that expression. It's an itch. That means every time you have an itch, you have leprosy. Uh, but it is a leprous disease of the head of the, or the beard. And if the priest examines the itching disease and it appears no deeper than the skin and there is no black hair in it, uh, then the priest shall shut up the person with itching disease for seven days. So it's like if it's a if it's a spot, but there's not black hair in it, you can't tell. You know, if it's not white or black hair, not sure. So he's going through the quarantine. Um, it's no deeper than the skin. There's no black hair in it, so it's uncertain. Put him in the quarantine on the seventh day. Examine the disease. It has not spread, and and there is in it no yellow hair and the itch appears to be no deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself. With the itch he shall not shave, and the priest shall shut up the person with days on the seventh day. He examines the itch, it has not spread. Uh, it's no deeper than the skin, he pronounces him clean. Here's my skipping here. So wash his clothes and be clean. Verse 35, if the itch spreads in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him, and if the itch has spread in the skin, the priest He'd not seek for the yellow hair. He is unclean. Ready. But if in his eyes the itch is unchanged and no black hair is grown in it, the itch is healed and he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. And when a man or woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, the priest shall look, and if the spots on the skin of the body are dull white, it is leucoderma that has broken out on the skin. Verse 40, if a man's hair falls out from his head, I love this one. If a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald. He is clean. Not a, not a bad condition. <laughs> but if a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he gets baldness of the forehead. <laughs> he is clean. I've, my, my dad told me this. Right? He says, do you know what it means if a man's bald on the back, on the top part of it? Thinker. Well, it's this way. Thinker. Bald on the head. Uh, the forehead is the thinker. The back of the head, he's a lover. And if he's bald all the way through, he just thinks he's a lover. Sounds good. No spiritual value whatsoever. Verse 42. But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish white diseased area, it is a leprosy breaking out on the bald or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine him, and if the disease Swelling is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprosy. He, uh, verse 44, I think. He's a leprous man. He's unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. His disease head. Hearing the end of the Leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes. Let the hair of his head, 
and the hair of his head hang loose and shall cover his upper lip. So it's like this and cry out, unclean, unclean. Carried out of the Testament. Shout that out. Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He's unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So it's kind of long-term quarantine. Verse 47, when there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, whether a woolen or linen garment, and warp or woof of linen or wool or skin or anything made of skin, in other words, leather, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the skin or warp or woof or in any article made of skin, it is a case of leprosy. It'll be shown to the priest. And the priest shall examine the disease and shut up that which has the disease seven days. And he shall examine the disease on the seventh day. If the, if the disease has spread in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in the skin, whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is a persistent leprous disease. It is unclean, and he shall burn the garment or the warp or the woof, wool or the linen or any article made of skin or its leprous disease. Fire. And if the priest examines and the disease has not spread in the garment, then the warp or the woof or any article made of skin, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which the disease is the disease, and he shall shut it up for another seven days. The priest shall examine the diseased thing after it has been washed. And if the appearance of the diseased area has not changed, though the disease has not spread, it is unclean. So you shall burn it in the fire, whether the Cloth is on the back or on the front. All right. Oh, by the way, warp, warp and woof, that has to do with a weaving process. If you're not familiar with those terms, it's one direction is warp and the other part of it. Um, but if the priest examines and the diseased area has faded after it has been washed, he shall tear it out out of the garment or the skin uh, or the wrap, the warp or the woof. Just take that, cut that section out of the fabric of the garment or the leather. and if it appears again in the garment, in the warp of the woof or any article made of skin, it is spreading. You shall burn with fire whatever has seized. Let the garment uh, or the warp or the woof or any article made of skin from which the disease departs. When you have washed it, then it shall be washed a second time. And This is the law. And you know when you're coming to the end of the whole section, the summary statement. This is the law for a case of leprous disease in a garment, wool or linen, either in the warp or the woof. Or in any article made of skin, determine whether. All right. Um, so you here we have all the careful detail of affect a person physically if they have a skin disease that short time at least proper treatment. They might experience healing. So. Another sign of the gracious, you know, goodness of the nature of God that he makes this provision to be very careful, certain that a condition is gone before a person is reintroduced to society and or and especially brought into the presence of God because holiness. But there's all this reasonableness. And this so far preceded God's wisdom here, so far preceded people's understanding of medical things. That we can look back retroactively. Oh, you know, 
given that they didn't have all the disinfectants and medicines and, and antibiotics and all the things that we have today, that was really wise. God's instruction to them. And it didn't write someone off permanently because, oh, you're a diseased person, you must be judged by God, get out of here, or be stoned, or whatever, anything like that. God allows for the restoration. Allows there to be see that he was a restoring God. Fellowship with one another and possible. That always Well, it goes on to talk a little bit here about uh, that pro- that process then of purification. So now a person has uh, come to where itself is, has been dealt with on a physical level. A person, they've been declared clean, garment that has been dealt with and is clean or void, whichever. But but now where do we go from there? What do we, what do we do with this? There's also, it also is going to deal with housing, building, but we're moving toward what does it take to purification and application. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him, to take for this person, somebody so invited by the uh, can take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood, scarlet yarn, hyssop. Now, if you think about this, essentially one of those cases where built into the law is a little bit of, of symbolic foreshadowing of the ultimate cleansing provided through. Just as back in, in Egypt, Passover time, there were very specific instructions. Lamb that was tied on the door frame at the top and on the sides with outline of the cross. And to to them then yet, God knew, use of hyssop branch used to apply. Now we have this scarlet thread, we have hyssop, we have wood. Know that Cross, Christ was held to that. That his blood. So there, all sins wrinkled in, where pointing to. So here we have a bird birds replacement, and uh, it. Depending on your translation, it might say live clean birds or it might say wild clean birds. Of course, they needed to be clean and they needed to be clean. Uh, so the priest would go out, he would, he would command them to take these two birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn. Cedar also is wood from the temple and tabernacle. Scarlet yarn and hyssop. The priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water, in other words, running water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird, those things, and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. 
and he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprosy. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the earth. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water. And after that, he may come into the outside his seven days. Seventh day, shave off all of his hair from his head and his eyebrows. Everything is and he shall shave off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. I'll be clean. And he shall one bird is a sacrifice. Cleansing ritual. And verse 10, on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish. Or blemish. One ewe lamb, year old without blemish, a grain offering of three-tenths of an fine flour. Log of oil, log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meat. The priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering, sorry, before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering or the purification offering, in this case, the burnt offering, the place of the sanctuary. Went through all the offerings. The guilt offering, like the sin offering or the purification, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. Remember, the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his left hand, and Dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand. No question about exactly how they're supposed to do this, right? And sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand, the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot, on the top of his on top of the blood of the guilt offering, and the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him, or purification, who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. The priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him. Clearly, in the indicative of medicine, of curing, purifying, power. Now we have the provision for the one who can't afford the, the lamb and so on. And so if he is poor, verse 21, cannot afford so much, then he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waived to make atonement for him. And the tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil, also two turtle doves or two pigeons, whichever he prefers. Then one shall be a sin offering and the other. On the eighth day, entrance of the tent of meat. And then all of that description that follows for several verses is exactly the same as before. I won't put that. Verse 32, this is the law for him in whom is a case of leprous disease and cannot afford. Verse 33, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, 
and I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession, and he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, there seems to be some kind case of disease in my house. Now, isn't that interesting phrase? God says in the house in which I put the leprous Pastor Mike was told that cannot dismiss God from Are things point difficult for us? Wisdom and His righteousness, judgment. Some of the bad things that happen are from God. Here He owns this. I infect a house. Been a reason for. Go into that. Because now this is what a person should do if that turns out to be the case. Now, it might have been infected. It might have been the case of part of the judgment on the person who lived there before. The person is now, now the Israelites are coming and taking possession of the land. They come into a house and they find that it's infected. And most scholars believe the reference here is describing mold problems. Which could, you know, also include or. So, the priest, verse 36, shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease, lest all that is in the house be declared unclean, and afterward the priest shall go in to see the house. And he shall examine the disease, and if the disease is in the walls of the house with greenish or reddish spots, and if it appears to be deeper than the surface, then the priest shall go out of the house, to the floor of the house, and shut up the house seven days. The priest shall come again on the seventh day and look if the disease has spread in the walls of the house. Then the priest shall command that they take out the stones in which the disease is the disease, throw them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall have the inside of the house scraped all around. Plaster that they scrape off, they pour out of an outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones. They shall take other plaster and put them in the house. Even for a house. They didn't just burn the whole thing down. If the disease breaks out again in the house, after he has taken out the stones and scraped the house and plastered it, then the priest shall go and look. And if the disease has spread in the house, it is a persistent leprous disease, unclean, and he shall break down the house. Stones and timber and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them out of the city. Moreover, whoever enters the house while it is shut up shall be unclean until the evening, and whoever sleeps in the house shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes and looks, and if the disease has not spread to the in the house, and after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, for the disease is healed. And for cleansing of the house, he shall take two small birds with cedar wood and scarlet yarn, and that same process four takes place. And the end of verse 2. Four is the summary. This is the law for any case of leprous disease, itch for leprous disease in a garment, house, Dwelling or an eruption or a spot show when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the leprosy. I don't have much more comment about that other than what has already been said. Care for his people, preservation of holiness as well as their as well as their hygiene. Gracious and the detail that is here tells us that 
This is not a fairy tale. It's a document that was written for real people, real poignant. Now we come to the uh, even more uncomfortable bodily discharges, but it's not as long. Chapter 15. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, he is to bring it. Now, context and contrast to what comes later, we understand that this is unusual. Something back infection. Um, so that is unclean. Verse 3, this is the law of his uncleanness for a discharge, whether his body runs with his discharge or his body is blocked up by this discharge. Uh, it is his uncleanness. Every bed on which the one with the discharge lies shall be unclean. On which he sits shall be unclean. Anyone who touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. Whoever sits on anything on which the one with the discharge has sat shall wash his clothes bathe evening. Again, that uncleanness. Ceremonial uncleanness comes sanctuary. And whoever touches the body of the one uh, with the discharge shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, be unclean until evening. If the one with the discharge spits on someone who is unclean, sounds uncouth, um, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean, and unclean until the evening. And any saddle on which the one of the discharge rides shall be unclean. Whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until the evening. Whoever carries such things shall wash his clothes. Anyone, uh, anyone whom the one with the discharge touches, touches without having rinsed his hands in water shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water. And an earthenware vessel, one with the discharge touches, shall be broken. Every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. Again, thoroughness, and we can see that all these things. It's all written in such explicit detail, but it wasn't. Were not necessarily things that people known to do back then. We look back and go, well, yes, this was good hygiene. Somebody's got an infection, you know, you wash up, you deal with that, you oh, you stay away for a little bit, you know, that sort of thing. Understand? Verse thirteen: When the one with the discharge is cleansed of his discharge, now. Then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes and shall bathe his body in fresh water and be on the eighth day he shall take two turtle doves pigeons and come before the entrance of the tent of meeting and give them to the priest use them one for a sin and for an offering the priest shall make atonement for him now this is more normal. 16. Uh, and again, more awkward, but it's very normal, and God's dealing with it. We'll read it. Uh, if a man has an emission of semen, he shall bathe his whole body in water and be and every garment and every washed with water. If a man lies with a woman and has an emission of both bathe themselves. When a woman has a discharge and the discharge of her body is blood, shall be in her menstrual purity for seven days. Whoever touches her and everything on which purity shall be unclean, everything on which she sits shall be unclean, and whoever touches her bathe himself. It's all just hygiene. And whoever touches anything 
on which she sits, shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening, whether it is the bed or anything on which she sits, whether she touches it, uh, he shall be unclean until the evening. And if a man lies with her, and her menstrual impurity comes upon him, he shall be unclean seven days with her, and every bed on which clean. If a woman has discharge of blood for many days, now it's going into the unusual category, not at the time of her menstrual or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her all the days of the discharge shall she continue in uncleanness, and in the days of her impurity she every bed on which she lies days of her discharge shall be to her bed of her impurity, and everything on which she sits, sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her menstrual And whoever touches these things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening. But if she is cleansed of her discharge, shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be left clean. Verse 29, and on the eighth day she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons and and the priest shall use one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. The priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for her. This again is in the case of the. Thus, you shall. This is the summary now, okay? Wake up again. This is the summary of the whole thing. Thus, you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle, which is in this. So again, for their well-being, that's also to make very clear God is a physical aspect and the Verse 32, this is the law for him who has a discharge, for him who has a demon becomes thereby, also for her who is unwell with her menstrual impurity, that is, anyone male or female, I did warn you. Not the most fun, but part of our thorough not skipping. The uncleanness due to the bodily discharges and mostly uh, physical, but with a spiritual overtone. That's why sacrifice. Now, let's just look uh, briefly at a couple of aspects in the New Testament as look back at this because. Uh, that was you know, spiritual cleanness and purification, uh, or uncleanness and purification under the law. And now we want to look at spiritual cleanness. First point is Jesus demonstrated power over all physical disobedience. Whether they be physical or spiritual. On the physical side, we see the example of dealing with leprosy in uh, Luke chapter 5. Actually, chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, um, we see uh, dealing with leprosy while he was in one of the cities. There came a man full of leprosy. So, okay, this man is badly infected. He's been, been ostracized. He's been set apart. Now, I should also say that as time went by, God's rules for the protection of people and, and his compassion for even the person who's infected with leprosy, that changed over time through the traditions of the Pharisees and so on, where they kept hacking on to 
own attitude, connotation to it. They, they decided that anytime a person has an illness, any kind of serious illness, it must be God's judgment. The Bible says spiritual leaders who are misguided said. So that, hence the, the way they had taught the people when Jesus was apostles came across a blind man, blind man who had been blind from birth. The question came up, you know, uh, whose sin was this for? Was it his sin or was it the sin of his parents? It was a presumption that, that, his, that his illness or that his disability was God's judgment for somebody's sin. And Jesus corrected that notion. He said, no, that's not for either of those reasons. It's so that I'd have opportunity to demonstrate my power so that people will know who I am. So God has his own, has his own reasons sometimes. Always judgment. But unfortunately, that had become the notion that the Pharisees had, had taught, they instructed all of their society to be, oh, a person has leprosy. They're not only unclean physically, but they're unclean spiritually to the degree that they are to be ostracized, they are to be abhorred, they are to be not treated with any kind of respect at all. So this is astounding thing. Jesus, gracious Savior, does what he This man comes and he's full of leprosy. And when he sees Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Just as he said, there you would have heard gasp. Everyone observing this. Touched him. Immediately the leprosy left him and charged him to tell no one but to go show yourself to the priest. Back to following the code of the law for, for the, the verified cleanse. So he no longer has leprosy. God back in society, turn to worship in the tabernacle, into the sanctuary. Go show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for your cleansing. Exactly what was described for us in the as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. No one ever could boldness and with passion touching the problem. Don't worry. We see another case as in the ongoing discharge of blood. We have this woman with the with this uh, just what we were reading about in 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 Leviticus. This is what's happened in this woman's life. She's, she's been affected by this for over 12 years. Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. There was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately... I love this thing. All denied it. Or, I don't know what I mean. And Peter said, Master, the crowd's surrounding you and they're pressing in on you. Look, bumping into you. He said, and someone touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. The woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him. And mind you, she's been kept at more than arm's length from everybody for over 12 years. She was afraid to just come up in the crowd and talk to him. 
and tell them what was wrong and ask for cleansing. So she, but her faith was so great that she. Take an example of faith. Positive love. In trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. The brave woman. And, and how she had been immediately healed, said to her. Jesus demonstrated his power over That was an aspect of Ayashev, being God among us, proving it. Passion and love. Something that is more important for us to that where blood had to be shed for ceremonial purification person have God's presence. Blood had to be shed through the sacrifices that made for us been done once for ultimate perfect and and there are ties in the New Testament even pointing to that particular thing as, as an aspect or an illustration of, of the complete and total cleansing. Jesus cleanses all who come to him, all spirit. First Peter chapter 2, for himself, for our sins and his body on that we might die to sin, live to righteousness by his Birds, so one is sacrificed, the other is dipped in the sacrifice that fruit by shedding of his blood. By his spiritual Hebrews chapter ten verses other brothers, since we have confidence. Enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Again, he's making references to Hebrews. The title tells you he's writing to believing Jewish people, people who have come to recognize Jesus as the Christ. The he's writing to these Messianic Jews, and they, uh, they get these references to entering the holy place through the blood of Jesus, understanding that it's by that purifying, atoning sacrifice of Jesus' that we have access to throne room heaven, that ultimate sanctuary that the author of Hebrews has already discussed, that the real one, whereas the one that was built out in the wilderness copy, the shadow. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that's the torn curtain in the temple, came, up, came torn apart at the sacrifice of the death of Christ, that is through his flesh now, that's the metaphor. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled. You remember the sprinkling? Sprinkling? Purification? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, hearts sprinkled clean. From an evil conscience, bodies washed. 
understand when you think about the historical context in which this is taking place. You have a depth of Look at these passages. But we have entrance. God's presence through the sacrifice, through the blood of Jesus. Because we have been sprinkled clean. We have been cleansed by his We don't have to keep bagging for We don't have to bring um, We don't have to be fearful of or unworthiness. Jesus curtain is access Everyone can enter fully forever without fear, confidence in beautiful gift. All of that had its purpose for their well-being then, but pointing forward to the work of Christ, the significant spiritual truth of what Jesus is accomplishing. God the Father is that's that verifying. person has is accept on their own behalf that sacrifice of Christ. Just as those animals came, they were special substitutes for the individuals who were unclean. Animals took their place symbolically for whatever their guilt or impurity. They, that's all a person has to do is accept that Jesus is the substitutionary sacrifice. But he's the one who's done it for us. And all we have to do is, a, is appropriate his sacrifice for ourselves by faith. That's it. Those of you who know that, you you know, you're you're nodding inside, if not outside, and like, yeah, that's right, it's a lot. But if you're someone who is who today or someday in the future, I know it's recorded. <laughs> take this in. Something that was costly. Purification. Access. Costly. So that you can be the one. You have to do it. Accepted. Step by faith. Uniquely qualified. Son of God. Son of man. Who alone could take our place? All those other animals, so temporary. Sacrifice. Benefit for life. Not a matter of joining a church. Good. That decision of faith, well-being, you should. But but the church joining doesn't get closer to. Fellowship with believers and benefits. Access to God comes purely through the sacrifice. Certainty that you can approach the throne of grace comes purely through the work of Jesus Christ, and you can only receive it by faith. You cannot earn it. You cannot contribute. 
like that expensive gift that somebody gives to you. They just poured their, their love and their hard work and many months of earning into buying this very special thing for you as an expression of love. Don't you dare pull your wallet out. Likewise, nothing to do with salvation. That goes talking. Thank you, Lord. Done this. Gift that costs significant levity fund our ability grasp. Pray, Father, that you open our hearts and pray that you establish the unclean because of our sin, personal guilt. And some listening today might be feeling the heavy weight of decisions they have made, things that they Father, I pray that you what a gift you have absolutely, absolute your side, restoration, relationship after gospel sacrifice. I pray that you work in people's hearts and lives. Not know you draw. Those who know you, I pray for you. Live lives that are more reflective. Thank you that you with us. Sing a song of gratefulness for those who know Jesus personally. Grace of it. Song is so. The four verses. Stay with me.